check. One, two, one, two. How we doing, everyone? Are we good? Kilda, Kilda. How we doing over this side? I like doing this. We're good. How we doing over this side? How we doing over this side? Fantastic. Hey, before we do anything else, I want to start tonight with a question. Is that all good? Got a question for you. This is the question and a bit of the topic of discussion for tonight. Um, the question is, what is the greatest thing? Question mark. You may have a flurry of things filling your mind right now. Um, you don't have to shout out. Don't worry. Um, it's not that kind of question. Um, but we are going to have a look at answering this question through reading this book. Um, we believe that the Bible is the word of God. Um, we believe that it is proven to be so because Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that makes it way more than just words on a page for us. Um, we value this book. Um, we, we believe that there is incredible insight and wisdom to be learnt from it. Um, but it was written a while ago and in a different culture um, and even in different language. Um, and so there are some things in here which sometimes need a bit of unpacking, a bit of teaching through. Um, and that is what I am going to attempt to do tonight. Um, and so if you have been here at all for the past couple of weeks, you'll know that we've been going through um, the book of Philippians and we have titled this series, that's right, The Joy Revolution. Boom. Um, and this is a really incredible theme of this book. This book was written by a dude called Paul. Um, Paul was actually in prison when he wrote this book, which is, I find quite remarkable that he wrote about the theme of joy. Um, Clearly, he knew a thing or two about joy to be writing about it in quite dire circumstances. Um, and so he's writing to a church, um, a church that he helped start called uh, the Philippian Church. And so this is a letter to the Philippian Church. Um, but there are some incredible things to be learning through this, all right? So you're with me? You're with me? Fantastic. Um, the passage tonight is Philippians 3, verse 1. To 11. So it's kind of, it's short, short passage, but like, man, it is rich. It's dense. It's like filling, tasty, whatever. Um, it's yum. So without further ado, shall we, um, shall we, shall we read this wonderful, wonderful passage? Um, Philippians 3 verse 1 says, In addition, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a safeguard for you. Watch out for the dogs. Watch out for the evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who worship by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I have reasons for confidence in the flesh. This is Paul talking. If anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, regarding the law, a Pharisee, regarding zeal, persecuting the church, regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him I have suffered the loss of all things 
and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. Who knows that I could say dung in church? And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Cool. Before I say anything else, let's pray. Lord God, help us to understand what the greatest thing is. Amen. Amen. All right. I pray quick, all right? That's okay. Um, so what we've gathered from reading this is that there are some Jewish people uh, coming along to the Philippian church, and they have begun to say to the non-Jewish people that the only way to truly please God is for you to get circumcised. We don't have that problem here in this church, in this community, which is quite nice, isn't it? Um, not something that we deal with often, um, but it is actually worth looking at, and Paul is actually quite angry about this, and I'm interested to know why. Why is he angry? Why is it a big deal? Why is circumcision a big deal? What is it? Well, we know what it is. I don't need to explain what it is, <laughs> but, but why is it in there, okay? Why, the, why is it such a big deal in, um, in the Bible? And actually, it goes, it's in the first chapter of the, sorry, the first um, book of the Bible, Genesis. Um, in Genesis 17, this is when this first comes up. And so I need to explain about circumcision, right? We get to talk about circumcision in church tonight. <laughs> Who is excited about that? I am. Okay. Um, and so circumcision in Genesis 17 is actually, um, is to be a physical sign for the descendants of a dude called Abraham. That's Jewish people. Um, Jewish people to demonstrate to themselves and to God that they were chosen, that their identity as an ordinary person of the world, as a sinful person, as, um, yeah, as a person of, Paul calls it the flesh, is, wait for it, cut off. Crazy. It makes sense, right? Okay. We all need reminders of things. We all need reminders of things. This was a physical reminder of a thing. All right. This was a reminder that, uh, that they might need to be reminded of from time to time. It's a physical reminder that they're no longer defined as ordinary people, worldly people. That part is cut off, right? Okay. I thought that was quite cool. So why circumcision? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why. The point is not the thing. The point is that they're chosen. They weren't chosen because they were circumcised, right? I'm going to just do that act from now on. They were snipped to remind themselves that they were chosen, all right? In that order. Get, let's, let's get that order right. It was to remind themselves that they were chosen. But these people in the Philippian church, they're coming along, they had forgotten that. They had made it more about the symbol rather than what it symbolized, okay? We've got to understand this. So in verse 3, Paul comes along and he says, we are the circumcision. What does that mean? And what we've just learned, that doesn't mean that we've all been snipped, right? That obviously doesn't mean that. 
Um, but it does mean that we've been chosen. That's what he's saying through this. He's saying that we have been chosen and our identity, in the same way it was for the Jews, our identity as a person of the world, as a, as a person, a sinful person, that, that part of our identity is cut off. Cool way. Crazy. Who knew what you could learn about circumcision? Okay. All right. So we have been chosen. Our identity as people of the world is gone. We have been made right with God is another way of saying that, right? We have been made righteous. I love this word, righteous. Being made righteous is a really, truly incredible process. And Paul actually talks about this process towards the end of the scripture in verse 9. He says, um, he wants to gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. So that Paul's implying that, that you can try to be righteous by obeying the law, by doing stuff. But there's another way to be righteous, which is through faith in Christ. So what's the difference here? And I really want us to get this tonight. So I've got a little illustration. Um, Firstly, let's frame that righteous, let's, let's, be, let's remind ourselves that righteous is a legal term. It's a legal term. And in the same way, this is, this is part of my illustration, so is husband. Husband is a legal term, right? It's a lot more than that, but it's a legal term. And so, just for, um, for you to know, in about six months' time, I'm going to be getting married, which is kind of cool. Thank you. Got you, bro. My man. Um... And so we have planned to have a wedding ceremony, which is lovely. And now, okay, purely for illustration's sake, this is illustration's sake, right? Okay. We could say, oh, we don't want to spend the money. We don't need to have a ceremony. We don't need to do all the vows. We don't need to do any of that stuff. We're just going to pretend, starting tomorrow, that we're husband and wife, okay? So we're going we're gonna to move in. I'm going to be really nice to her. I'm going to do the dishes. Uh, I'm going to put her first in all situations. Maybe we'll have some kids. Maybe I'll rub her feet. We might buy a house. I might even wear a ring on my finger, right? And I could do that for the next, let's say, 70 years of my life. I could do that. But I have no legal standing whatsoever to call myself a husband, even though I've spent 70 years doing all of the characteristics of a husband. I say all. I'm assuming rubbing feet is a characteristic of a husband. Right? I'm, I'm not one yet, so I wouldn't know. But, but that is like attempting to be righteous through the law. This is what that illustration, that scenario is, is about. I'm doing all these things, ticking all these boxes, ticking all the boxes to be a good person, but legally, I'm still not righteous, all right? That's righteousness through the law. And so scenario two is going to help us understand righteousness through faith. Very similar to the moment in the wedding ceremony when I've said my vows, I get asked the question, do you take this woman? <laughs> and then what do I say? I say, I do. Or I will. I do. And instantly, I inherit that title, husband. Boom. Just like that. 
doesn't change. So that first story is righteousness through the law. That second one, righteousness through faith. Right? So you become a Christian, bam. In that moment, you're righteous. How cool was that? That's amazing. Let me emphasize that you're not just good, you're not just good, but you inherit the same righteousness that Jesus had. Do you know that? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him, Jesus, who did not know sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So when God looks at you, it's as if he's looking at Jesus' righteousness on you. This blows my mind. This is incredible. I thought I had to do all these things. I thought I had to tick all these boxes. But all I have to do is say I do, if that makes sense. Right? And so, in this knowledge, this is how Paul can list off all these reasons for why he could be confident in his own achievements, right? And yet still say that he considers everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. This is how we can do that. Do you know him? Do you know him how Paul knows him like that? And this, this letter this, um, to the Philippian church was actually written in Greek. And so um, it's sometimes quite cool to look at what the Greek words mean, right? I don't speak Greek, um, but there's some great tools to try and understand that. And this word know, K-N-O-W, not N-O, um, is a lovely word. I'm going to try to pronounce it now. Ready? Genosko. Ooh, nice. Y'all didn't know I could speak Greek. This word genosko is rich, rich with meaning. It has kind of like, like in English, right, the word know, we kind of affiliate with knowledge. Hey, it's kind of like quite a mental knowledge, though. It's like an understanding. Whereas this has all of that, but it also has a deeper, richer meaning about experiential knowledge, right? To become acquainted with something experientially, coming through, coming to know through experience. So for Paul, his purpose and his ultimate joy came from experientially knowing Christ. And for him, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Paul very strongly states that all other things are just a big pile of poop, right? In comparison with knowing Jesus. Everything else was a loss to him. Nothing else mattered. Instead, he could gain Christ. And I wonder, I wonder, I just wonder if some of us have got this the wrong way around. And we're trying to do all the right things and come to Jesus with this list of achievements and things that I've done and um, hope that he will accept us because we've done a lot of good things. But there's no joy in that. There is no joy in that. True joy and true life starts with knowing Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? Jesus talks about this. Um, actually this topic and he prays to the father in John 17 um, but just, it's just before he's about to get arrested and go to the cross right 
And so he prays. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life. That they may know you. That's genosko, right? That's that Greek word. That they may know you, the only true God and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. That is all that matters. And what he's saying is eternal life starts with knowing him. Eternal life starts with knowing him. Experientially knowing Christ is the beginning of eternal life. It is the greatest thing. Do you know that? Do you know him? And you might be here tonight and you've been trying your whole life to be a good person. Good person. And you might have been doing all right. You might have been doing a good job. You might have been doing a terrible job at times. But do you know all it takes to receive the same righteousness as Jesus is to say, I do, right? Is to say yes to following him. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. And I, I would actually love to give people the opportunity to do that right now in this moment. Um, and so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask all of us in a second to close our eyes and just, we're just going to pray all together. And if that's you, you want to come to know Jesus for the first time, you want to say yes to following Jesus, that I do moment, right? I'm just going to pray a little prayer. You can pray along with me in your heart. Okay? Let me pray. Father, I recognize that I have been trying hard to be a good person and I've failed. I've sinned. But I want to thank you, Jesus. I want to thank you, Jesus, for your death and your resurrection. And because of that, I can be made righteous in the sight of God and experience true joy and true life. So I want to turn from my life of sin in this moment and turn to you and say, I believe in Jesus and put my trust in you. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life and say amen and amen. And if that was you, it might even be just one person. Um, Danny talked about those know my heart and my cards. You can fill in that and just tick a box and say that was me. Um, and drop that off in the little drop box at the back. We would love to, to talk to you about what this means. But the important thing to understand about becoming a Christian is that we don't just become a Christian and become righteous and then go about everything the same as if nothing never changed because everything changes, right? And so let's go back to my marriage analogy, okay? Clearly I'm very excited about marriage for some reason, I don't know. But in February, right, next year, after I say I do, I'll be a husband. We've established that. But I've never been a husband before, believe it or not. And now I get to spend the rest of my life learning to become what I am, okay? 
So I'm a husband. And now I need to learn to do all of that stuff, to put Lydia first and, and love her through better, worse, richer, or poor, all that lovely, wonderful stuff that we're going to say and promise. Um, and you are righteous. If you have become a follower of Jesus, you are righteous. And now you get to spend the rest of your life learning to become who you are, what you are, righteous, righteous. And so you might be here tonight, following, you've been following Jesus, maybe it's been a while, but it's become more about uh, the things you do rather than who he says you are. And you need to flip it. You need to flip it. Like Paul. Look at all your achievements and all the things that you've done, all the good stuff, as total boo. It's loss. It means nothing. And come back to the joy of knowing Jesus. It is the greatest thing. Paul learned this. One of the big ways that he learned this is through suffering. And suffering may not look the same today for us um, as Christians as it did for Paul. Like he's in prison. Um, some of you might have been to prison, but most of us in the room probably haven't. We might not know that. Um, we might not suffer in that way, but maybe, maybe you might need to sacrifice some stuff. Maybe following Jesus has become quite comfortable. And actually, you need to make some sacrifices for God. It might be your sleep. Maybe you need to get up a little bit earlier and spend some time with Him. It might be your pride. Maybe actually you need to decide to, I want to worship Him. I want to raise my hands and I don't care what people think of me. You might need to sacrifice your reputation and actually tell those friends or colleagues what you did on Sunday night and begin to have spiritual conversations or share your faith. I wonder, do you know him? Do you know him like Paul knows him? God um, has this really incredible way of, um, all throughout scripture, he, he tends to call people a name before they've actually done the thing that he calls them, right? So like an example of this, be like Abraham, he calls him the father of nations before he's even had Isaac. Or Gideon, he calls him mighty warrior before he's ever had a fight. He calls Peter the rock on which I'm going to build my church before he does any church building, right? He calls Paul, this guy who's writing this letter, the instrument to take the name of Jesus to non-Jewish people before he's even a Christian. He calls you righteous because he wants you to become all that he has created you to be. Do you know that? Do you know that? And so I'm just going to invite the band up in this moment and we talked a lot about um, this Jesus we talked about 
knowing him. He talks about righteousness. Um, I just actually really, I really want to read um, this passage of scripture to lead us into worship. Um, to talk about who he is. And so I wonder, I actually wonder whether we could just stand in this moment, stand together. And I'm going to read um, literally just over the page from what I was preaching on. Uh, it's in this book called Colossians. And I'm going to read you what, um, what the, the author of Colossians, Paul again, says about Jesus. And we're going to worship this Jesus who he talks about. Paul says... He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth. The visible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things and by him all things hold together he is also the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Do you know him? Do you know him experientially? Do you know him like Paul knew him? Let me pray. Oh, Jesus, help us. Help us to know you in that same way Lord, nothing else matters in comparison to the surpassing value of knowing Christ. And God, I pray that you would reveal yourself in this time, in this moment, more and more, that we would have just this image, this vision, this picture, even more so of who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives. God, it changes everything. Thank you so much that we can stand before you as righteous sons and daughters. We praise you. We want to know you more. We want to experience more of you. And so in this moment, as we worship, open yourself up to him. worship him there is nothing greater than knowing Jesus thank you Lord let's worship in this moment